Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Thank you, Gracie, for that warm introduction that you always give. And hello again, everyone. It's that time. Welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime buddy, good friend, Guard Dog Steve. Amen. It sure is all my privilege. I'm here and I'm happy. I'm happy that you all are here, too, to listen to us. I'm so happy because we've been through it the last three weeks. Oh, Lord have mercy. Our studio was ransacked. Yeah. We lost valuable information. Somebody stole the monitor. Stole the monitor. Messed up the computer programming. But God has been so good. He's put it all back together. Apologize. I think we did a few podcasts out of order because we had no idea. (laughs) How it fit together. We were out of control. One, I think we got out Saturday instead of Thursday. And we apologize. We're we're back together. God's got us back on track. We're talking about the grace. And we're talking about a subject I love. And that is manifesting. Manifesting the life of Christ. Why is that important, Guard Dog Steve? That's the very crux of the the new covenant life that it's it's all about there's no other subject it's about christ manifesting himself through us in the privilege we have to be the vessels that or the instruments that god uses to keep the gospel going because he preaches the gospel through us when he manifests himself through us and manifesting is the theme that runs through all the epistles. And as we're going to see it, it runs through the whole Old Testament too. The whole Old Testament is a manifestation of the plans and purpose of God, the cohortative purpose of God. Let me just say one reason you wouldn't want to live your life as a Yahoo, even though you're under grace and there'll be no penalty for it, one reason is simply because it means you're not manifesting the life of Christ. If you're acting like a Yahoo, you are not manifesting the life of Christ. You are manifesting the life of Adam, the Edemic nature. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. 
If you don't want to be that guy, this is the podcast for you. Amen. Amen. Because you don't have to be that guy. You really don't. I was that guy. Yes. I've been that guy. Which means I was under the law for a long time. Because that's how you become that guy, is to live your life with a Ten Commandment mentality, a do-good-get-good mentality. Trying to manifest God through your sheer determination, your willpower, all I can say is I was manifesting Adam. Yes. Trying to live a disciplined life. Showing Adam and all his ugliness. Yes. If you don't want to be that guy, you'll be glad you tuned in today. So, Amen. One thing I think is important to see, Steve, is there's this idea that there's a plan and purpose for us to walk in that, that God has already ordained for us. People have done books on finding the will of God, doing <laughs> the will of God. I'm the purpose-driven life. The purpose-driven life and some of those things, some of those ideas that on the surface sound good but they're not really it and they don't hold water when it comes down to it no but there is a sure way that holds water and we talked about it a couple podcasts ago and it was called waiting on the lord and we found out that Waiting on the Lord did not mean inactivity. It meant recognizing your weakness. The word was actually entwining, braiding together. Exchanging. Exchanging strength. Actually taking your weakness and filling it with God's power to make you a vessel that manifests the very life of God. The very life that doesn't burn out. The very life that shines. Remember, we we talked about that word fanaru, which is to make manifest. And the adjective, if you remember, was to shine. When he is rendered apparent, we will shine with him. What it means. Let's just look at a passage I think everyone's familiar with it in Ephesians 2. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Anything that catches your attention in that phrase, Steve, not of yourself. Yes, just (laughs) because of what I've learned recently. Do you want to hear the preposition? Exactly, the preposition. By grace are you saved through faith. Okay, there's our first preposition. It's dia. By means of. By means of faith. Faith is a noun there. It's also a single noun. It's the faith. So by grace are you rescued through the faith. And that, not of yourself. <laughs> you know what the yeah, yeah. preposition is? Right. It makes a big difference. It's two letters, but it makes a big difference. Ek. Ek which means out of. And this faith, not 
out of yourselves. The faith didn't come out of us. We were not the source of the faith. That's why we can't boast. It says that exactly. By grace are you saved by means of faith. And this faith, singular noun, the faith, is not out of yourself. It is the gift of God that so no one can boast. Makes the passage more powerful. Let me give it a read. Let me read it. We're talking about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not out of yourselves, it's a gift of God not as the result of works, that no one should boast, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or that we should do them, be a doer, do them. Yeah, so it says, what now? It says, not of works, That would be referring to works that came out of us. Yes. But we are his workmanship. Yes. We're his works. Yes. You could say. That word workmanship is the word poema. And I think probably everyone knows that's where we get our word. A lot of people know. It's talked about quite a bit in churches. We get our word poem from that. Uh, I've seen a few translations that say work of art. Yes. What you may not know is that word poema, which is a noun, comes from the verb poeo. Ooh. (laughs) And if you remember back, if you're a faithful Guardians of Grace listener, we did that word poeo a lot in 1 John because it was translated as prazo. And it's not prazo. Prazo is the word that you would use for habitually practice. Yes. Paeo is the word that is used in John 1, meaning a single work or a single act. And it was used, anyone that commits a sin, they would, unfortunately translated it, practices sin, is of the devil. Wasn't that at all. It was the one that commits a single act of sin is of the devil. Meaning, in Christ, by the Spirit, you are not capable of committing a single act of sin. The one born of God never commits a single act of sin. It doesn't mean he doesn't habitually practice sin. Of course he doesn't. He doesn't even commit a single act. That's what the Spirit in you is like. He is just plain perfect. He can really make you shine if you'll just learn to depend on Him. And that word manifest was right there in the context of it. The one that's manifesting the Spirit is not committing a single act of sin. He's not poeo, a single sin. 
So we are God's poyeo, work, single act of work to do what he's prepared in advance for us to walk in. What God has prepared us to walk in is actually the belief of God, the faith that comes out of God. We just said it doesn't come out of ourselves. Right. Says that. How could you be more clear? By grace are you saved through faith, and this faith is not out of Um, yourself. Right. Yes. It's a gift. It's a grace gift and not out of ourselves. Let's look at Galatians 2.20, because Guard Dog Steve's very familiar with that. Yes, that's where Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But the life that I live out of the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. You just quoted maybe the King James that says the faith of the Son of God. What about all the translations that say the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God? Right. Not actually there. The Greek word en is not there. Shouldn't be faith in the Son of God because en, which in English is in, it just isn't there. You, you can make the case and say, because nothing's there, you can look at it in context and say faith in God. But if you look at it in context, it's definitely faith of God because you just said you were dead. So you're not going to produce any faith. That's a hint. That's a hint. Yeah, there. you're right. There's actually not a preposition there. So you'd have to fill in your own suitable preposition. And King James got it right. They said faith of the Son of God. A lot of later translations say faith in the Son of God. And we encourage you to have faith in the Son of God. But it is a noun again, not a verb. And you made a great point, Guard Dog Steve, since we've been crucified with Christ. And it goes on to say, which means we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So anything that's going to get accomplished in us or manifested, since we're on that topic, is going to be accomplished by Christ living in us, which doesn't it say that? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body, I have to depend on the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love the next verse, 221. I I love it in the King James again. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness could be obtained by the law, Christ died in vain, needlessly. So back to Ephesians 2, it says we are a poema, a work of art. That's where we get our word poem from, poetry. I think you know what it's time for. A uh, redneck Hebrew word study? This will be our second only Hebrew, redneck Hebrew word study. Okay. Amen. Amen. So we had the word 
poetry. There's something in Jewish writing, they call it Hebrew poetry. Oh, because it's Hebrew poetry. <laughs> That's why they call it Hebrew poetry. I'm, I'm with you, Bill. I'm with you. You pick up on things so quick. <laughs> yes, dogs, yes. It's really a simple thing, but in Hebrew, it's a lot in the Psalms, but you see it a lot where they'll they'll take a thought and say it two different ways, and it reads like poetry. Right, a Hebrew idiom. An idiom is another word for it. I chose poetry because I just mentioned the word poema. <laughs> and so there is something called Hebrew poetry. And a good example is in Psalm 105. And Psalm 105 really gives you a a perspective of an overview of what happened in the whole book of Genesis. It puts it in one chapter of a Psalm 105, and why don't we just go there? Okay. It's very telling. I'm looking at Psalm 105, and as I said, it's an account of what happened from the calling of Abraham all the way through to the exodus in Egypt and continues on from there. So let me let me just start here. I'm going to start in verse 5. Remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels and the judgment uttered by his mouth. There's our first clue. What he has done. done. Right. That's his work. Verse 6. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. Do you see the poetry there? Mm-hmm. He's saying the same thing twice. twice. Seed of Abraham, sons of Jacob. They're the same thing. He is the Lord our God. Verse 7. His judgments are in all the earth. Verse 8. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. See, another poetry. He said Forever in a thousand generations. Yes. Our dog Steve's getting the hang of this Hebrew poetry. (laughs) The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. See the parallel again? The covenant with Abraham is the same as the oath to Isaac because he swore to Abraham and his seed, which is Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few men in number, very few, and strangers in it, and they wandered about the nations to nations from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings For their sakes, do not touch my anointed one. Even though it was thousands of people, he looked at him as one. And do my prophets no harm. He called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. Verse 17, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with feathers. He himself 
was laid in irons. We're talking about Joseph. Remember, he had a belief he based on a dream that everyone was, his brothers, even his mother and father were going to bow to him and he was going to be in a position of authority over them. Turns out that his brothers weren't really big on his dream. (laughs) You could say it ticked them off. (laughs) It ticked them off. Not only is he just their brother, he's, he's actually their little brother. Little brother. So he comes to breakfast in the morning and says, hey, let me tell you about this dream because it included all of you. You guys are all going to bow down to me, and even you, Mom and Dad, are going to bow down to me. Is it true that he had the dream? Yes, it is. And he got a belief out of that dream. It was his faith that this was going to happen. This was Joseph's faith. The dream was part of God's faith, right? God believed this was going to happen, which meant this was going going to to happen. happen. This was the belief of God. This faith that did not come out of God was what Joseph had. You could say it was Joseph's faith. What came out of God was God's faith. And so it definitely says that God sent him in advance for preparations to feed them during the famine. He was going to be their supplier of bread. He was actually going to give them the bread of life. It was a picture of Christ. But it wasn't going to happen the way Joseph foresaw it, was it? Slightly different. Slightly different, yes. And so this passage says that his brothers were really angry. And at first they wanted to kill the guy. But fortunately, Reuben, the oldest, the true firstborn, stopped them and said, no, let's throw him in a pit. (laughs) In the well. In a well, yeah, which isn't much better. Reuben is distracted. And what the brothers do is some Ishmaelites come by and they sell them. They sell their brother Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Ishmael was (laughs) a product of Abraham's faith, not God's faith. Isn't it amazing how God uses even Mm -hmm. the calamities Mm -hmm. to work Mm -hmm. for him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, things aren't working out so well for Joseph. But God's plan is going tick, 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 tick. Just perfectly. But Joseph's not privy to the details of the plan. He's just privy to a sketchy detail and sort of the end result. Doesn't really know how this is going to work out. And this is not how he determined it's going to work out. Mm-mm. So his very own brothers sell him into slavery. Kind of reminds me of the Apostle Paul, sold as a slave. It says that Joseph was shackled in chains. And that's how they did that to slaves. They were treated harshly. Iron chains. He was probably beaten and whipped and all that humiliation thing to make him compliant compliant slave. So there's no doubt he experienced unbelievable physical pain yeah. when this happened. But the next verse says that in the Hebrew thought, it, it actually says his soul was put in iron 
Mm. Mm. A lot of the translations have body or neck, but there's a Hebrew word for body, and this isn't it. Not, not it, no. I think it's the word napish, and it's the, it's the exact word where it says that God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. Mm-hmm. Soul is, we think of as our mind, will, and emotions, yes. for lack of a better definition. Our psyche. Our psyche, yes. Our core being. Yes. It says that his feet were in shackles, shackles. but it says his soul was in iron. Mm. Mm. That's just, uh, that just paints such a bleak picture to me because I know what depression's like, and it, it's better to have your finger broken than to, to be depressed. And that's what it's saying he, he was. He was depressed. It's saying, yeah, his soul was in irons. They broke his soul. They broke him. They broke him, yeah. This guy was in immense mental pain. And let me read the next verse. Okay. Okay, verse 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters, and his soul was thrust through with irons. Mm. That's the mental pain. So he's experienced extreme physical pain and mental pain. Could you say this is not going the way he Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Verse 19, it's temporary. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. That's amazing, guard dog Steve. It says that until... The dream came to pass. It's literally the faith of God tested the faith of Joseph. In other words, what Joseph thought is Joseph's belief. What God thought is God's belief. There was a time of testing before Joseph was able to be pliable, was able to be a work of art in God's hand. In other words, the the life that Joseph was now going to lead was by the faithfulness of God and not out of himself. He begins to allude to things like that. He says, it's not of me. It's of God. It is not of, of him. And I don't know how many Bible studies... I've been to where Joseph is brought up as an example. Oh, gag me with a spoon. (laughs) Over and over. Now, you've got to have the character of Joseph. And how many times did I try to have the character of Joseph? When the passage gives me a big clue. Let's look at some of those. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have maybe... I know there's a few with... Joseph had an excellent spirit. I know it said Joseph had an excellent spirit. He was given an excellent spirit. And Potiphar could tell that he had an excellent spirit. And all through this story about Joseph, it's talking about this excellent spirit that Joseph had that was causing him to prosper and accomplish all these things. It wasn't his character at all. It was this excellent spirit was in him that made him toe the line and be such a great slave. 
to where the masters would want to give him charge over everything. So before we get back to this, what it means to have your faith tested, and we could probably go to James and get a really good illustration of this. Let's look at a couple of these just to show that how Joseph gives the credit to God. Okay. Because remember, he was tested until the belief of God became the belief of Joseph. Right. Okay, so let's look at Genesis 39, starting in verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that he had an excellent spirit and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight and became his personal servant and the master made him overseer of his house and everything that he owned. Why? Because of his great character? No, because he had an excellent spirit. That's what this Bible talks about is the spirit of God and how we can live by that excellent spirit. And every time I've always been brought back here and said, you better muster up the character of Joseph. You got to be like him. It's not. I got to live by the Spirit if I want to do what Joseph did. There was a big clue there, Guard Dog Steve. It said people could take it that one little phrase, Joseph had an excellent spirit, and not read the phrase before it that says the Lord was with Joseph. Sounds like Galatians 2.20. Christ lives in me. Preach it. Preach it. With me. Yes. But he says the Lord was with Joseph And then, because the Lord was with Joseph, Potiphar noticed he had an excellent spirit. Yes. So whose spirit was he seeing? The spirit of Joseph? The spirit of the Lord. No, the spirit of Joseph was the one that went bragged about his dreams to his brother. Exactly. And became so obnoxious that they threw him down a well. I knew. They were going to kill him. He was so annoying. What? How bad do you got to annoy your brothers to (laughs) to want to kill you? Right. You're really saying the wrong things. (laughs) That's why I say we always say the wrong things, no matter how we try to please the people around us. I'm so adamant about this. We try and try and try to please the people around us and say the right things and be a source of encouragement and a source of kindness. And we fall short and we embarrass ourselves because we're relying on ourselves. If we'll just Get, do what Jesus said and give me the burden, he said. Okay, but Joseph was really good at interpreting dreams, right? No, not at all. Well, let me say it like this. If you're listening to a Sunday sermon, yes, yes. But if you're actually reading the text right here, no. It was because God was doing it for Joseph. I think he says that verbatim, doesn't he? Doesn't he? But he gets so ignored, though. Interpretations belong to God. God. The interpretations belong to God, he said. Well, let's just look at what he said. Now, Pharaoh comes to Joseph, and he says, I have heard it said about you, Joseph, 
that you can interpret my dream. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, it is not in me to interpret your dream. God will interpret your dream. Not in me to interpret your dream. God will interpret your dream. This passage is giving all the glory to God. I no longer live, Pharaoh, but the life that is being lived out is being lived out by the faithfulness of the Son of God to do God's eternal purpose right here, right now. It's not me doing it. Joseph might as well have been saying, by the grace of God, Pharaoh, I am what I am, and this grace towards me was not in vain because I labored harder than all the rest, yet it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in me laboring, Pharaoh. He might as well have been saying all those things because it's that clear when you actually read the Old Testament passage. That's why his faith had to be tested. It kind of reminds me of what James won, right? Yeah, yeah. Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We just opened a can of worms, didn't we? That's exactly what Joseph went through. It says that his soul was shackled and tested. His faith was tested until it agreed with God's faith. Because it was God's faith that counted. Right. It, was, it probably took him 25 years to get to that point where he would say, hey, it's, it's God in me doing this stuff. I'm not to be looked at as anything special, which is what he should have said to his brothers way back when because they wouldn't have sold him to the Ishmaelites. But he didn't. <laughs> but he didn't, and he paid dearly for it. But now he's towing the line. He's, he's saying things right. And he says, Pharaoh, it's not me. It's not me. It's the Lord in me doing it. But it's... And you know what? Then Pharaoh comes back and says, Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, I'm going to give you, you know, everything, he goes on to say. But he, Pharaoh knows it's God who informed him. He has made it clear that it's the same thing as practicing the truth, like Peter did. It wasn't us who healed this man that you see in front of you. It was the faithfulness of Christ oh, in wow. us that healed this man that you now see. Acts 3. Mm-hmm. 18, 19, like somewhere. Right, right in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But still, literally, if you actually take the time to look, you'll see that this Bible is telling us the same thing. It's saying, abide in me, and I abide on in you, and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you don't do so good. No, and Joseph wasn't 
able to interpret dreams as just Joseph. No. That's why in in James 1 it says, count it all joy when you're going through what right. Joseph went through. Right. You, you'd have to give a little bit of background to understand what an impactful statement that is. But in James, when he says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and then when perseverance has done its thing, you're mature, you're complete, lacking nothing. He, he's, he, you have to understand what faith is, and that comes from 1 Corinthians 12, where in 12.7 it says, now there are many different manifestations of the Spirit, and it says, to one, faith. Right there in the passage, between 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 12, 9, you'll see that it says faith is a manifestation of the Spirit. And James says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that they're testing what manifests itself in you. That's why you think trials are cool, because either the spirit of the living God will manifest himself through you and you'll shine or Adam will manifest himself through you and you won't do too well. But it's each and every trial of each and every day that looks for these manifestations of God. They're what makes God manifest himself. That's why he says they're a joy to go through. But the letter of James is, the thesis statement is manifesting. The letter yes. of James is about manifesting the spirit of God. And if you're relying on anything else, then you get trashed by James. You, you get belittled. But if you're relying on the Spirit of God and waiting on the Lord in the book of James, you're right on track because that letter is about manifesting and teaching you that you can manifest the life of God in your mortal body. And it was all part of God's cohortative purpose from the beginning. The book of Genesis is just put in capsulated form in Psalm 105. It's just amazing. God saw all this and he tested, didn't say he tested Joseph, but he tested his belief because it says that he was testing until the word that Joseph was given lined up with what God was actually going to do. And Joseph went through that trial so he would know that it didn't come from himself, but it was a gift of God. And Joseph faced trials of various kinds. Those, those were some <laughs> tough trials. Oh. But he did end up manifesting the Spirit of God, and it was undeniable because he interpreted the dream. And, and he couldn't he have had, done that without manifesting the mind of Christ. No, he couldn't have. And he got such joy out of it, counted all joy, that he wasn't even angry at his brothers when exactly. it was over. Because he saw that it was all for the glory of God. Yes, what you meant for evil, 
God used for good. I think those were his words. Now, I have always had a hard time struggling with trials. I just said, why? Why not just give it to me <laughs> if you're going to give it? Or, unfortunately, I was taught, as many are taught, that faith is a verb that we work up in ourselves and commit to believing God. Now, it would be pretty hard for Joseph to believe God when he's been shackled, sold as a slave to sin, just as, I'm going to go back to Romans, who else was sold as a slave to sin? Us. We need to get rescued from that. We need the life based on the faithfulness of the Son of God to set us free from being sold as a slave to sin. How does it do that? It does it by manifesting through us. It manifests that spirit that lets us be released. Yes, an excellent. An excellent spirit. We yes. get the same excellent spirit that that he had. So in Ephesians where it says, by grace you've been saved, saved is being rescued from slavery to sin for is probably the big one by grace you've been by grace you've been saved through faith now we know it's the faith of god yes amen and it's not of ourselves not it, out of us ek <laughs> exactly not out of us it never was out of us right. it never was our accountability partner. It never was us joining promise keepers. It never was making a unshakable, unbreakable commitment. It, it never was any of those things. And never will be. Never will be. But the full credit goes to the Spirit of God who manifests his life through us. This is why you want to manifest because this is what James means when he says, count it all joy. It's not the trial. It's that you manifest the life of Christ. Yes. That is joy. It comes from the word rejoice. And the definition of rejoice is, it means to jump and spin around in the air. It means to violently spin around in the Jewish days, the Old Testament, lacking a better word for it. They would have their festivals and uh, wedding festivals, and they were famous for doing those circle dances where they hold hands and they, they dance around in circles. That's called rejoicing. Each time in the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, it says there's rejoicing. There's, there's people wildly celebrating. There's people counting it joy. There's Joseph circle dancing, counting it all joy that he experienced this trial because this trial showed him that it was the faithfulness of God. And he had no problem saying, it's God that interprets dreams. It's not me. It's God that put me in charge. It's God that actually is in charge. And the whole purpose of Psalm 105 in Hebrew poetry, a work of art, puts the whole account of Genesis in Hebrew poetry. So I recommend all of you, grab your Bible, open it up to Psalm 105, enjoy it. It's Dig a work of it. art. So I'm hoping that 
what we were talking about made sense. Now, I hope so, too. <laughs> yeah. I hope that we did get the point across once again that it's the Spirit of God that we want to rely on and put our confidence in. And we want to pray to God every day to be better Christians. Say, Lord, make me a better Christian. It's just that simple. Then we can go to the party and manifest Jesus and everybody will feel that they've received a kind, encouraging, wise word from us. Amen. Amen. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, I, I think so. I just want to close us by saying thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you gave us the gift of your spirit. Your spirit abides in us. Thank you that you've just given us this amazing privilege to manifest your love to the people around us. Your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, giving you full credit because we know it's a fruit of the Spirit. And thank you for the amazing privilege to live by the Spirit and not of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. We love you. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. Good night, everybody.